And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Dude, my legs, my arms, everything hurts. I've got growing pains, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I got. I can give you some strategies on how to fix that. I well, I, I mean, I'm looking for growth strategies more so for my startup, but I never thought at my age that I would go through a growth spurt. So I'm actually seven foot eight now. It's <laughs> I created know, a getting... lot of awkward. It's created a lot of awkwardness in my life, but yeah, I'll get it figured out. But yeah, man, how how do we make a startup grow? That's what I want to talk with you about today. You you, you have some opinion on that at some point, right? I've got a lot of opinions and I know where to get the miracle grow too. Well, that's awesome. Dude. You should let everyone know that today's episode <laughs> of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. That's our startup that grew really fast. You know, Matt, we were on the Inc. 5000 list this year and recently on Deloitte's Technology Fast 500. So definitely uh, we'll be using some tips out of that playbook. But we make hiring developers not difficult. And Fullscale helps you do that through the use of our software platform that helps you quickly and affordably find the people that you need on your team. It takes like two minutes to fill out the form uh, on our hire developers page and our system will match you up with available developers, testers, leaders, uh, amazing, talented people that want to help you grow. And, you know, if you don't have the product, you don't have something to sell and have something to grow. I don't know. So many people are failing at finding the right talent. We're pretty good at it. So, all right, Matt, you have, you are an award-winning entrepreneur. You sold a company for like 150 million bucks. You're, you, I think you've had three companies on the Inc. 5000 this year. I was only, I was only able to help you with one of those. Um, so I mean, you know, <laughs> one, two, yeah. three, I think it was like three or four. Yeah. I mean, somebody I invested three in or four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. All right. Midas, just when you're, when you're done finding your gold <laughs> nuggets everywhere, let us know how many you had, but, but with that, you know, you've learned a few things <clears throat> about growth. I've, I, I've done quite a few things while a lot of my past companies, I didn't apply to be on lists, so I wasn't on lists. But I definitely know a couple things about growth and acceleration. And, you know, like as we get started, you know, so many people, I mean, this is the key. This is the thing. Like everyone's, like, I want to get funded. I want to exit. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know what makes that happen even faster is growth. So how do you get there? Um, I mean, when you think about a growth strategy, Matt, where does it start for you? Well, every company is totally different, right? And to me, it's all about the the product marketing, identifying product market fit, um, figuring out your go-to-market strategy, all that stuff, right? And I had lunch with a guy uh, Wednesday, and he's like, hey, we, we had this idea. We built this product. We can't sell it. Nobody will buy it. We, you know, we try changing the product around and whatever, and... The, the, the number one problem we see over and over, over and over is people focus too much more too much on building the product and the technology and not enough on the go to market strategy, how to grow this thing, how do we build a business out of it? And that is to me as a entrepreneur over 20 years now, to me, it becomes the most important thing. Like, what is the go to market strategy? 
How do we get that flywheel turning? How do we grow this thing? How do we sell it is way more important to me than the product. Cause you and I both have seen a lot of really, really shitty products that people sell a lot of it. And then some people build beautiful products, but they never sell any. They're not necessarily shitty. They're oftentimes just super simple. Like let's look at length. Let's look at Linktree, right? And we've had their CTO on and that has like, like tens of millions of users. It is a, it is a link widget. And um, you know, I have, you can actually, as a gigabook.com user, get those for free and as make as many as you want, but they did a hell of a job with marketing, go to market, all that. Now, Matt, I agree with everything you said, but I think you left out one key ingredient. You have to develop a strong value proposition. Yeah, right? absolutely. And that, and so without that, all the stuff that you mentioned, which by the way, was bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. Um, but without the value proposition, like, cause that's going to shape your go-to-market strategy. It shapes the, the way that you build a product. It shapes the way that you're uh, being able to define your value proposition. Now, here's the thing is a lot of people are like, well, my customers and clients should be able to know what value they should find in the product. Why? Why? Why would you assume that if you, if you develop the strong value proposition, you're good at defining that. And here's the thing. Remember people buy what you're selling because for the benefits, not the features, man. Yeah, absolutely. Part of it. Like how do your users, buyers, customers, whatever it is that you have or sell, how do they benefit from what you're doing? That's part of this value proposition. And sometimes these are intangible. Like one of the biggest things is like, if you, okay, so how do you quantify peace of mind? Because peace of mind, in my opinion, is literally one of the most valuable benefits that your product can provide because it has infinite value. It's not like, hey, you're saving $3 a purchase. So there's a lot of things in there. And, and remind, remind people of that. It should be part of your, your, your go-to-market strategy. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, the main thing is, is with a crap, crappy product market fit, it's game over. That's the number one reason startups fail, other than running out of money. That's why they run out of money. Well, some, you, you hear me talk about product market fit all the time because I think it's really important. And the, the really dangerous thing with this is you start a company and you go get the first 10 clients, the first 20 clients. That's hard, That's hard. but it seems relatively easy because it's people yeah. you know. And the problem is there's, there, there's a group of the population that are early adopters. They will buy anything. They will try anything. They like cool new things. But like 99% of the people are not that way. And so it's easy to think that you're onto something just because you got those first 20 clients. It's much, much more difficult to scale that. And, and even like we take full scale for a minute, like when we first start the company, you know, we sold it to a lot of friends and people we knew our network, right? But then it's a whole nother challenge to figure out, hey, we already sold to all those people. How do we sell to the next hundred people, right? That's a whole different problem. Well, we that, talk about- that, that's also dangerous though, because with that small sample size, it's easy to like going back and looking at full scale. Because we had what were like in our angel network or evangelists or people right. that really knew or believed in us, it actually gave us bad data in some regards because we took on some projects and clients that there's no way we'd touch now. Right. Um, it's part, so of the, it, part of the point. Yeah. So we had to continue the evolution and understand and be like, oh man, this, this is a way bigger pain in the ass than it's worth. And I don't even like doing it. So I don't think we should take those kind of clients anymore. Right. And so your value proposition and your, your core focus like so much of it, you've read the book Traction because you were the one that recommended yes. it to me. And he talks about that in the book. And I recommend you you read it. Um, and who is that by? Uh, Don Wickman, Gino Wickman. And, you know, the thing is, is like defining your value proposition also starts with like, why do we exist as a company? And at full scale, we exist to serve our clients. Like that's why we exist. And if we don't do that, and then there's a sub part of that, 
is we exist to help our clients win. And if our clients win, however that looks, then we win because they see right. clients. And that's so define that that's part of the value proposition that backs up what you do. But, but yeah, but that, but that early stage of like defining that and understanding what you're selling, I think in the beginning of a company, that is still like the lava phase. Like it, ha there, it hasn't hardened or become concrete. It's still flowing and it's hot and dangerous, but at the same time, still hot and powerful because it's moving forward. But, but yeah, I, I, I feel like I've, I've had, conversations with people that formed that stuff and then they get stubborn about it you well, know they're like i'm positive this is going to work really because why is it not working then well and sometimes that's a huge failure so back to my vin solutions days we had built a, a software that would print window stickers you put on the side of a car and we got a partnership with this company it was like a billion dollar company that was going to resell our software because we would help them sell more stickers we'd help them sell more paper so we thought we were like going to be millionaires with this partnership. And if that was the only thing we'd ever focused on for our go-to-market strategy and our growth strategy, out of business. we would have went out of business because- They didn't ever buy anything, did they? No, we just, yeah. no, we just wasted a lot of time. And so to your point, like if you get very stubborn and you put all of your eggs in one basket on your go-to-market strategy or growth strategy, it can really fail. You almost need like a plan A or plan B and you no. can't get overly confident to your exact point. Well, I'll, I'll even expand on that. I ate lunch this week with a friend and client that told me that after 15 years, they have finally, finally found that laser focus. Meaning like it, it's, it's never, it's never done. It's like what they say, fashion's never finished, kind of like software. That's one of my favorite quotes. Fullscale.io. If you never want to finish your software, we'll help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, but no, I mean, it's an evolution. Nothing, these things are never done. Okay, that's no, an example of a very poor value proposition. People do not do that. But yeah, define that. And I think it's important organizationally to understand. Like, don't be shy about it. Um, you know, we talk about growth strategies. And, you know, you mentioned like the founders and the companies that are like product, product, product you're passionate about the product and you like building it. Matt, you know that I am like so adamant and loud about this. Like you gotta, sometimes you gotta put the dick down, man, go sell something <laughs> Like for real, like go sell something. Yeah. Yeah. You're By the way, right, that, that, that is not my quote. Someone, a rock star <laughs> told me that backstage after the last night of a tour ended. And I was like, what are you looking forward to most? He's like, man, sometimes you just got to put the dick down. And I was like, I mean, right. hey, I'm sorry if that offended you or if your kids are in the car, but it's a great quote. So Jake Senninger, I'm Fritz McGee. I give him all credit for that. I have published that video at some point. But yeah, <laughs> but, but look, you're never going to grow. Like if you want a strategy for growth and figure out how to sell stuff, figure out how yeah. to reach more people and get aggressive with it, like aggressive. Like I get into this a lot with our own staff. I'm like, why are we acting like we don't sell stuff? Like, like I literally, do you know that the most opened email that we sent ever in the history of our CRM was titled blatant sales pitch. <laughs> that was the subject line. Whatever and I did works, it to man. prove a point. I said, I bet more people will open this than your cutesy, shitty title yes. that people just know that, okay, then they know you're selling something. Yes. But people opened the blatant said, dude, it was like double. the opener. That's pretty funny. Uh, but it's true if that's really yeah. how you want to do it. But like, don't be afraid of the fact that you're selling something. The number one reason that salespeople don't sell more is they don't ask people to buy stuff. 
They don't ask for the sale. Train yourself to ask for the sale. Matt, would you like to buy something? Yes. But you spend all this time at talking to people about what you do at the end of it. Say, right, so what do you think? You want to move forward? Do you want to ring this up? When can I deliver it? How would you like to pay for this? You know, would you like me to load this in your car for you? These are all ways to ask for a sale that are that are hyper simple. Hyper well, simple. And, the, and the next most important thing is the follow up of that, right? It's like, yeah. we met a week ago, had lunch or whatever. Follow up, man. Just follow up. I mean, the, the, dude, it drives me crazy. Ask people, for the deal. I talk to so many salespeople and they'll be like, they're like, oh, I want to sell more. I'm like, well, tell me about your last interaction. And they'll tell me, I'd be like, dude, how did that person leave the store? Yeah. Like, how did they not buy from you? Like, the, I mean, people are screaming. They're almost like, take my money. Like, I don't know. Ask people Fol- to buy stuff. Ask for follow the up. Follow up is the number one thing. You just, ask you got to follow sale. up. Yeah. And ask, ask for the sale. And follow up. Yeah. But don't wait a week to do it. If someone's like, like hot to buy something, email them the next day. And look, if you're, if you're struggling for a reason to make that contact, it's really simple. Clarification. It's the clarification follow up. You follow, Hey, Hey Matt. Hey, thanks for spending all that time. Talk to me, talking to me yesterday about what full scale does. You know, we talked about a whole lot of stuff. I just wanted to follow up. Is there anything that I can clarify or anything that I can do to help you understand the value we provide or, or, you know, help you get closer to getting started with us? Clarification. It's a number. It's, it's a very, it's a very low, it's a very non-aggressive way to be aggressive. And keeping the conversation going, right? It's it's all about just continuing the conversation and figure out where it goes and yeah. stay in front of them. Oh, dude, it's broken my heart. I've seen it a couple of times when I haven't done a good job of this. And I'll, I'll see someone that inquired about what we do at Full Scale. And I see him like a year later. And I'm like, hey, man, are you still looking for developers? Like, oh, well, we hired this other company. And they're basically indicating I forgot about you. I know. I'm forgettable. So you mentioned the book Traction Channel Traction earlier. Yeah. And you know, in the topic today of growth strategies, I think that's an important book um to talk more about. Um Well, the you book like has, the book Rocket Fuel, right? Isn't that one of your growth strategy books? That's another one too. And um so Rocket Fuel is a little more about the relationship between like the CEO and and the operations and and having the the CEO be more of the visionary kind of person and having them work with somebody that's more operational that can run the business. Um, that's an important part of growth because if your growth crushes you, then it's yes. just a shit show. And, and, came honest, over there and, and honestly, I know people today where the CEO is the problem. The CEO needs to work with that, that operations person and let them run the business, but the yeah. CEO will not get out of the way. And the company would grow way faster if the CEO would get out of the way. And so my dream dream as a CEO is to be out of the way of all that stuff. Like, you know, me, people ask, what do you want to do? And you know what I'm going to say, Matt, who do I want to become? Mickey Mouse. Because Mickey Mouse stands out in front of the magical kingdom and waves and tells everyone to come in. Come on in. Tell everybody about the magic. Mickey Mouse is not in the gift shop. He's not emptying (laughs) trash cans. He's not operating rides. He's dude. You actually don't see a whole lot. This is true. If you have, Matt, you've been to Disneyland a bunch. It's kind of hard to find that guy inside the park, isn't it? You're right. His supporting cast is everywhere, but Mickey's not. He's not a whole. He's a lot harder to find, man. Because he's out front. He's out front waving people into the Magic Kingdom. Come give us your money. 
But you're absolutely right. I really recommend that book, Rocket Fuel. And it was actually recommended to me in my last startup by our chief operating officer. He's like, Matt, I know you don't like to read books. You hate reading books, but you need to read this one. <laughs> so I'm like, have you, read, oh, have you read any of my books yet? Uh, only the pages about me. I know. But, so but the... What a so son of a bitch. So, so kudos to Craig for recommending it to me. And I felt like I was being reprimanded in some way. He's like, Matt, you need to read this book. And it spoke really to me because I was more that visionary CEO kind of person. Dude, that you once, read it and, it were, and like as 10 pages into it, we're telling me to read it. Yeah, I was like, dude, yeah. this was like yeah. slapping me in the face of like, I really needed to read this. So it's a great, yeah. it's a great book for startup founders. Can you recreate what it was like to slap yourself in the face? Oh, nice. He really did it, people. That was real. <laughs> that was not that was not a sound effect. And wait, hang on. I think I, I got something, Matt. There oh, thank you. There we go. Every time Just you stop. slap yourself in the face, I'll I'll activate. Okay. There we go. Right. Yeah. It's good rhythm, man. I like that. I don't want you to beat yourself up anymore. And Matt, if you're beating yourself up about trying to find the right people at your company, I want to remind you that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io, it takes, dude, two minutes. If you, you can fill out the form to get matched up with highly qualified vetted people less than two minutes. Some people get it like 30 seconds, just need a few questions. So we know who to match you up with and have an amazing portal. You're going to be able to see what people do, how they do it and who we recommend. It's really cool. I, I actually want to talk about that because we're talking about rocket fuel and, and the roles that go in, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, you talk about getting, they say work, you, you end up working in the business and not on it. Right. This is, I, 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 five to 10 years ago was really not really like a consultant hiring kind of person. I love that angle now, right? If you're stuck solving a problem or you don't have the bandwidth or you're worried about the long-term expense nature of it, hire an expert on a short-term basis. A lot of these people are going to come in. And, and the thing is, is you can, you need to be focused on growth, not on putting out fires all day. You hire Patrick Mahomes to come in and win for you pretty sure he's under contract right i had to say is patrick he mahomes is he available you he, he could be available in the fullscale.io portal go to our higher developers page <laughs> and see if number 15 <laughs> is available it's possible he's from kansas city just like us you're never going to know if you don't fill out the form but I, I think to your point, like when you have problems in your business, sometimes that's what you need, that third party expert to come in and help you. Mm -hmm. um, and see, it's worth the money. It's worth the money. You know what? One of the things they're going to tell you right away and they're going to ask right away is what are you doing to grow your existing accounts? It's so people, much easier to a yeah. keep a customer you already have rather than find a new one. But man, so people have asked a lot and I know you had, there was at one point, do you remember we were like nine months into full scale and you, I mean, dude, you've clearly been involved with some rapidly growing business, but about nine months we hired our, we were coming up on our hundredth employee. And I said, dude, I have never been involved with something that grew this fast of you. And you're like, no. Right. But, but with that, you know, like the, there, a lot of other stuff can, can fall apart on the side. And then we're trying, so we've at times 
stop taking new customers so we could support the existing ones we had. Because right, right. part of what made us grow so fast is we had an amazing value proposition and we proved it to our clients. So they'd come in and start with one person and six months later have seven people right. or 10, or some of them have 20 people. We have some people that are coming up on their fifth straight year of working specifically for that same client. And, and that's, that's not only retention, it let, they add more people and more people. So like you might be sitting on top of, you might be sitting on top of the key and the chest of the a chest of gold you're looking at when it comes to growth, just upselling your existing clients, getting more revenue from them, and that was a big yeah, thing for us at Stackify. Is we would come in and sign up one team. It's like how do we expand to more people, more teams, more things, and that was a big part of our strategy as well. So I asked my new best friend, Chat GPT, the question of five strategies. And by the way. If you were in the Startup Hustle chat group, you may have seen that, and it's on Facebook, by the way, come join us. There's 3,300 people in there. Watson wants to replace me with ChatGPT. Working on it. I welcome it. <laughs> it's just I've never amazing, seen, it's I've never seen amazing, Mickey Mouse dude. do a it's, podcast. It's, it's amazing. But anyway, so I asked it, and it's good. actually, we've, we had already found our, our notes that we created before this amazing tool came out, had a lot of this stuff on it. But one of the things that's got on here that I really like is, is don't be afraid to experiment with pricing. So testing yes. different pricing strategies. And you did that at one point at Stackify, because you had all these like free or cheap users or something. Right. Didn't you guys do something that kind of like, you, you raised your pricing because you needed to, and you knew that was going to actually lower your user count, but it raised your revenue long-term and did a lot of that. Can, you cool talking about that a little bit? Yeah. So I've, I've did it, the last two companies I had, we had, we did this twice and, um, all right, both of them. So yeah, at Stackify, we were charging like more of, um, like we were charging per server and we didn't have a monthly like minimum. So we had some people that were paying $10 a month, $20 a month, $50 a month wasn't a big deal, but we kind of looked at the pricing model and said, Hey, there should be a minimum. And yeah, we started enforcing a $99 a month minimum and changed the pricing model a little bit. And yeah, like 90 something percent of them continued as a customer. Yeah. We had a few cancel, but the net net of that was like our revenue went up like 10, 20%, 30%, whatever. It was a lot. It was, it was, and then we shed all these low value accounts. Yep. which means less support for them, less overhead for them in various ways. But, and that might mean you have to fire a couple clients or customers. Yeah, yeah. You and I, look at, if you want to go faster, you have to look at the things that are hold that are tethering you, holding you back, or putting too much weight in the rocket. It's just that, that simple. And and that and that comes in a lot of shapes and forms. Like the, those single user, those like basic, basic, basic accounts for everything I've ever been involved with or sold, and this is even before I owned my own businesses, those were the worst accounts that stuck around. They, they had the most problems. They took the most handholding. And usually when they're in that, now look, I don't want you to exclude all your single user low growth accounts, but you got to look, you can look at a lot of them and go, this ain't going anywhere other than what it's at right now. And, well, and, and for, well, for some tech platforms like Gigabook, that's at best worth $15 a month to us. Let me ask you this, Matt. You go to dinner tonight, you go to McDonald's. If a cheeseburger meal is $8 or $10, is it going to make a big difference? Like if it's $10, no. you're like, never mind, I'm going across the street, or are you just nope. going to pay for it? No. Nope. 
And it's the same if your product's $800 a month or $1,000 a month. At the end of the day, it's if not I that big of a difference. It, it's not that big, it's of, not that big of a difference. It's, it's like gas prices. People always bitch about gas prices. Do you ever like, are you ever driving down the street and you're like, oh, no. it's three cents cheaper. Let me do a U-turn. I don't even know how much gas costs. Well, actually, I don't anymore because I bought a Tesla. But prior to that, <laughs> prior, I definitely, how much is gas, bro? I don't know. I don't know. 267. The president does not control the price of gas, people on social media. Quit thinking that's the case. It's an open market. That's probably it's true. controlled by a very small number of people. Probably true. Maybe not making it. Yeah. But no, pricing, it's big. And also, like the unique thing, you know, you mentioned, I mentioned getting a Tesla. So, a year ago, the, the full self-driving was half the cost of what it is now. It's like 15 grand. Now, that did not slow me down because I wanted it. Did you try it? Oh, yeah. It's been driving me around. drives me everywhere. Okay. You got to come pick me up Like later. the full, full. Yeah. Like, I want to see this. Oh, dude. It's great. It's been okay. great. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, uh, I still don't understand why I have to keep my hands on the wheel the whole time. That's the only thing I don't like. It oh. wants to just know your hand is there. And I'm like, you're driving. Yeah. Okay. So that part, but that, Elon, but, Elon, if you're listening and I know you are, cause you listen to all the episodes, but fix back, that. back to the pricing thing, it's a really important conversation because a lot of companies are scared to charge a lot for their service, but to yeah, some degree, it really determines the type of customers that they have and the type of customers they want. There are people that will pay a premium and they're, yeah. it's like me, I could find a guy who would mow my grass for $30 a month or $30 or $75 or, or whatever all over. And to some degree, like he's smarter if he only finds the ones willing to pay 75 and ignores all the 30 ones, totally. he gets the best business, yep. right? And it's a more profitable business. Let somebody else come do the $30 ones. I only want the $75 ones. So if you get on a call with me or you're talking to me about full scale, because, you know, all of our employees are in the Philippines, we make selling and building an offshore team quick and affordable. I literally, that's like one of the, you've been there. It's like the, almost one of the first things I say, I just want to be upfront. We're a premium services provider. If you're trying to find the absolute cheapest people, you're going to get what you pay for. That's not us. Like yeah. we go, like it, it, we we're that company that hires one in 35 people looking it, for that all-star. Um, and that's expensive. It's a lot more expensive. I could have, I could hire a shit ton of people really quickly and have the wrong people and not be supporting the, our value is to what we, our mission is to help you build a team of elite people. And that means we got to talk to a lot of people. You, not look only 3% of people can be in the top 3%. That's how that shit works. Well, so, and to some degree, like when you, when it. you, yeah. when you do that, you're choosing the type of customers you want to deal with as well, right? Like you're choosing to yeah. have a premium product. You can choose that. Do the right clients don't give a shit. It's kind of like your McDonald's example. They want the best. And if the, if the need's there and they feel that it's not going to be a headache, peace of mind. Yes. They'll That's, pay a little extra. Honest, someone asked me like a month ago or about a month and a half ago, and I was actually like kind of in like a weird mood. And they were like, dude, what do you sell at full scale? And I was just like, peace of mind. <laughs> and I, and then like later that night, um, you know, I was sitting back on my bearskin rug, counting all my money because that's what entrepreneurs do, right? Yes, no, with the money gun. Not. I was actually up, still working at fucking midnight, um, not on a bearskin rug or any of that. But no, I'm sitting there, and I was like, "Wow!" I started thinking about it. And I was like, "That's a really great point," because, dude, you, <laughs> well, you own half the company. We do sell peace of mind. We make it easy for you to not 
get a train wreck of a developer on your team. Right. Or to not yeah. get three months. Dude, how many people do we talk to that three months down the road are, are like, oh my God, this is terrible. Then you have to start all over. Not only do you lose the timeline, you lose a lot of opportunity and you usually have to go back and fix all the things they fucked up. Well, to this point, not really to keep talking about full scale, but the same thing, like we're picky about some of our customers, like some customers come to yeah, us and we're thing. like, eh, this is not like a great fit. Like we want it to work both ways. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you pick your customers to some degree. It's really important. And like, I'm advising another company and he had a lot of issues with customer retention. A lot of customers are canceling and they would cancel because there was like a certain feature they wouldn't use. Well, he finally changed it. He's like, I require this now. Somebody signs up, they have to do this. Or otherwise, I don't want them as a customer because there's a huge percentage that they will fail. And, and and that's kind of the point of like, sometimes you control those things, but you're being stubborn. Like as an entrepreneur, you're like, well, I want everybody to sign up. Yeah, but if you spend all this effort and a lot of them fail and cancel later, you're not doing your you're, you're not doing this the right way. S require certain specific things that you know the you customer will be successful. You were when we did that at Gigabook. Remember when I, we, cause the thing was, is like that mentality is like, oh, we want everyone to sign up and be able to see what's under the hood. Yeah. But they weren't setting their shit up. They were right. skipping the onboarding process. Failed. And we went back and looked at it. Like we were enabling their failure because they get yeah. in and nothing was the way they wanted. So they're like, how does this even do anything or blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it was, and yes, it slowed the rate of free trials down noticeably. Yes. But the number of people that converted went up exponentially, and it also dropped the support requests by like 95% immediately, yes. immediately, because we got all bogged down trying to help people set up a $15 a month account. So you, you mentioned something about Gigabook. I think it's also really important to talk about. So if you have a SaaS product that people can go and sign up for and get a free trial and go use it, that experience that they have is either really important to you or it's death to you. And yep. like Gigabook was a good example of this. Like people would sign up, but they struggled to configure it and, and get value out of it and all that. When people sign up, you've got to get to them, get them to value and that like aha moment as fast as possible. And so having like in Gigabook, you'd built some wizards and things like that to help them set up the account. Smart I went start. Through this, yeah. I went through the same exact damn thing this week. I signed up for a developer tool. I found their blog and, and everything about it sounded really cool. I was really excited about it. And I had to link it to my GitHub account, do this stuff. And I was supposed to get some reporting and stuff. And it didn't work. Like an hour later, it still didn't work. I went because now I'm like frustrated. I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to find another product. I download, uh, installed their competitor's product within like 60 seconds. It worked perfectly and it was beautiful. And I had that aha moment and I'm sold. Right. And, and that right there is the difference. Like that first company, they're dead. They're screwed. That second company has a beautiful experience and they will win so many more customers. And people don't think about this, but that first interaction you have with customers, if they're signing up for some kind of free trial and some kind of thing, you've, they've got to have the world's best experience. It's so important because the product is selling itself. Well, you know, one of the, the, so Twitter has been known for like the world's fastest onboarding in the past. You know, because like it, at one point it was so simplistic that people were picking on it. And then all of a sudden it was genius because it yeah. was like you could make a tweet in like a like a minute. You'd be set up and like still know, like have a couple followers, be following a couple people. That was like kind of, Gigabook wasn't that straightforward, but we created a thing we called Smart Start. That So here's the thing is you can shorten and, and streamline onboarding processes by making certain assumptions 
Uh, for example, one of the things was like a form will always make you fill out this long form and then in the U.S. mailing address zip code is always the last entry. If you ask the zip code first, you can fill out a lot of forms. Yeah. You can know the time zone, you know the currency, you know the city, you know the state, you know a lot yeah. of things, make it faster. And, other, and so it took me a while to figure it out. It was actually like a bunch of note cards, um, a couple joints, and maybe a little bit of crying. <laughs> to finally figure yeah. it out. But I was shuffling these things all around and I finally came to realize it actually shaped the way I thought about building software and, and it had a profound effect with full scale as well. And I keep telling everyone to go there. If you ask a few simple questions up front, you can usually shape that process. So like with Gigabook, you either sell services or you sell classes or group things or maybe both. Well, so many things make you go through these steps to like unnecessarily. Right. So you just ask a couple simple questions like, do you provide services where you're at or other places? Do you want to link to a calendar? Do you take credit cards? Are you the only person that works there? And then you get those and we were able to create a smart streamline it. And boom. And it didn't take them through a bunch yeah. of steps they didn't need. And we also asked what their zip code was and it fills out a bunch of stuff. So rather than making them fill it out again, we're like, hey, are, is this where you're at? You know, click yes to confirm or click here to make a change and edit. And it just made it so fast and so easy. And like, I mean, dude, we did that years ago. That was now onboarding come up, come up a long ways. But yeah, it used to be a real pain in the ass. But dude, if you want to grow, you need to you need to remove the roadblocks that exist on the way to getting the people in. Now that also goes with your sales department too, though. Like you got to look at that. Like if you are if you're in the act of selling things, like why is it hard to buy from you? Right. Oh, dude, I go through this a lot, man. Like just recently, I literally didn't buy something recently because I was like, this is a real pain in the ass. I was like, fuck it. I'll go do something else. It's actually really, uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to get too far into it. It just annoys well, me. We, well, we talked about- I don't about, chase people down to give them my, my, my money. Well, today we're talking about growth strategies and, and it's a complicated subject because there's like multiple facets to it. It's like, it's one yeah. thing of like, hey, we need more leads. We need to close more leads. We need to upsell existing customers. Like all of those are growth. Like they are all growth, right? Yeah. And like we're talking about, we talked about earlier about upselling and how important that is, like nurturing the customers you have and growing them and not yeah. having them cancel is just important, right? Yeah. And then we talk about, you know, the product needs to sell itself. It's like, that's conversion. It doesn't matter if we get a hundred leads or a thousand leads or 10,000 leads. If none of them convert, it doesn't matter. You have to focus like conversion is critical too. And that's and dude, like this, you talk about sales conversion. Opinion. Sales science says the harder you make it to buy, the exponentially yeah. less you sell. Like yeah. there should not, if you, okay, we would use McDonald's. If McDonald's made me climb through an obstacle course to pay $10 rather than eight, I might think more about it. My kids might like it. Uh, yeah, I get that. But mm, <laughs> I don't know. Not, not but so all, much. But all of these, the point is like all of these things are, are intertwined and they're all part of growth. And part of the challenge as an entrepreneur is you're, you you can actually spend a lot of time tinkering with all of these different things. And you 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 know you have to figure out how much time you invest in all these different pieces and which one is your problem, right? That's the yep. thing is you got to figure out which one of these is your problems. Like oh, we're driving a lot of people to sign up for free trial but nobody converts. Okay, focus on it. Look at who's converting and go try to figure out who that is and then turn on the afterburners. Yeah. Boom, boom. 
And Let's you gotta, grow, you gotta, you gotta track your conversion mas- metrics and stuff like that. Cause you can look at your ads and be like, oh my God, I'm getting so many clicks on this. Yeah, how many turn how many turn into something? We were just talking about that before we we because uh, Matt and I have a lot of conversations about what we do at full scale with people, and then um, it doesn't always turn into them moving forward and exploring the opportunity. And we're just sure. like, hey, we gotta figure out how to do a better job at this. And so Get much of it literally fun. just comes down to asking. Yeah, getting them in the funnel, like getting them in the process. And answer a couple questions. Uh, you know, Matt, we're running out of time here in another episode. I don't even know if I need to do a third ad read because I think we talked enough about, about full scale and what we do there. Like as we end our episode here today, I mean, like where are we kind of at? I mean, I think we kind of arrived at like define the value proposition. Don't just focus on your product. Ask for the sale. Figure out what your problem is. Be afraid. Hey, is our our favorite moves the pivot, right? Figure out what the problem is. I mean, change. It's always evolving. The other thing we didn't spend a lot of time on was that book, Traction, I'm a huge fan of because focusing on figuring out like what traction channel works for you and you can't do all of them. You got to pick like one or two of them. And I'm a huge fan of that book for people. In that book, he talks about the EOS, an entrepreneur operating system. And Look, the thing is, is this, the information in the book is actually pretty well known across the world of business and people just use so many different terms and stuff like that. We're using it at full scale right now just to have everybody speaking the same language. Yeah. Just basic understanding. Yep. Dude, I'm fired up, man. I want to go sell something. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I'll Let's see you grow, next baby. time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.